Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus, episode 270. This is a Texas Tuesday. And yes, no fear, I will be returning to Texas Tuesday. But for right now, it is another Texas Tuesday on September the 27th, 2022. And here we go. All right. Again, before we get started, let me remind you, you can subscribe, like, share, and comment on this podcast, on the social media, or on the podcast website itself. Any help is a big help, and I appreciate it immediately. Uh, as I said, don't make any money off of this. Don't know if I ever will. That's not a primary concern. It's just to grow the audience so that we can get the word out that let people know that Hey, down in Texas, we care about individual liberty, we care about freedom, and we care about protecting and enforcing the Constitution. And with that, here we go. Okay, so got three main points today. Swallow the pride, lesser evil, and next time for sure. (laughs) In case you're not sure where I'm going with this, it's all about the election. Yes, we are at this point... I believe six weeks out. Six weeks out. No, seven weeks out. Seven weeks out from the general election of 2022. And uh, if you've listened to any of my previous shows, you will know that I have not been extremely excited about our options and our choices. And uh, as a result, I find myself working hard to convince myself that I have to do more to support our good Republican candidates. So I will tell you personally, I have three elected officials that I'm happy to support. I have their signs. Uh, probably going to find my way to donate some money to them. And when I block walk, which is part of the gig I have as a precinct chair, I will be sure to mention them by name whenever given the opportunity. The other candidates all have ours after their name, and I'm duty bound to support them, and I will do so. I'm less than enthusiastic about it in some cases. In other cases, okay, it was my first choice, but I'm okay with it. And <clears throat> that means I have to swallow my pride and do my job. And I'm happy to do it in so far as the other option is disastrous. Why do I say that? Well, for years, we've been hearing, if we lose Texas, we lose the country. If we lose the country, we have nowhere else left to go. And while all that may be true, the fact of the matter is, in Texas, there's about three counties that are counteracting Dallas, Harris, Bear counties. Oh, and Travis. And without us, they would flip the state. The entire state is red, except for those counties, and they're blue, deep blue. And there's some over on the uh, border of Mexico, and then there's a few more, you know, other places. We're all good Republicans, right? Well, yes and no. 
Clearly, if you've been paying attention for the last 20 years, the Republicans have held all the statewide offices as well as solid majorities in both the House and the Senate. And we've gotten the bare minimum of conservative constitutional issues addressed. Now, some would say that it's because we've become so much further right. We, we've become so much more demanding that we're unhappy with our Republicans in office. That may be true. I, I mean, I've, I've listened to podcasts. I've watched videos. I've read some books that all indicate that the activists have, in fact, become more right wing, have become more aggressive, more radical, whatever you want to call it. I would say the same about the left. So both extremes have become more extreme, and that leaves very little in the middle. But in Texas, where we should be exercising and cherish our God-given rights, we have way too many restrictions. We do. And some of them, quote-unquote, were good common-sense restrictions that were brought about back in the day when that's how we had to roll in order to get stuff done. And I... I find it hard to find fault with people that were starting at zero and have now worked their way up to 60 or 65, right? On a scale of one to a hundred. But when you keep asking for a hundred and your candidate is only good for 65, you get frustrated. You get disappointed. You want more. And that's where we're at. That means you sometimes we're stuck with the idea that we're going to have to settle for that candidate that's maybe a 65 or a 70 on a scale of a 1 to 100, right? It's not not our perfect ideal candidate, but that's what we got. Now, the sad thing is, is once upon a time, a 50 was supposed to be a good moderate. And a 65 would be, or greater than a 65 would be considered somebody right of center. And 35 went the corresponding direction was considered somebody left of center. And then you just go further out as you go. The delegates, the activists, they're basically all wanting nineties or better. I can't fault them for that. Cause I largely agree with them because when you're pushing for a 90, you might get a 75 or an 80. Now it's not perfect, but it's a lot better and close to what you want. And if you're never fighting and you're never taking ground, you're losing ground. At best, you're holding where you're at, which means you're losing. And conservatives historically fight to not lose. They don't fight to win. They fight to not lose. And if you're only holding your ground, you're losing ground. And that's what seems to get lost on them all the time. So again, coming to the general election. We have the uh, governor and lieutenant governor. Both are statewide ballots. And if we're to believe the results of the primary, 65% or more of us, two-thirds of the Republicans, were happy to have them in office. That we wanted four more years of both of them. And they have a very, very strong likelihood of beating the snot out of their opponents on the Democrat Party. Now, one would only hope that's true. I mean, one wants to believe that Texas is still solid red, but we've got a couple of different factors at play here, right? We've got 
the Republican leadership that is constantly letting down the grassroots constantly makes them feel as if they're not worthy of their time. The establishment likes being the establishment. They like going to those cocktail parties and feeling important. They don't want to have to answer for the things they haven't done. Then you've got, for whatever reason, an activated base on the Democrat Party. They're they're really excited about, quite frankly, a bad candidate, a bad person, from my opinion, Francis O'Rourke. Now, I guess maybe if he was in California, he would be the less bad candidate versus Gavin Newsom. But in Texas, this guy... He's just out of sync with Texas. I mean, even Democrats in Texas got to be looking at that guy and going, why in the world do we have him running as governor? What has he ever done to make us think that he's qualified to be governor? But if the polls are to believe, he's at uh, 45%. Now, I'm sure that the governor's thrilled to have such a chump running against him, but I got to tell you, I'm not exactly excited about the governor or the lieutenant governor. I think they've been weak sauce at the very least. But I got to swallow my pride and go vote for those guys. Because the alternative is just unthinkable. And and point number two, lesser evil, right? We've been hearing for decades that we have to vote for the lesser evil. It's our duty as Republicans. We just got to swallow it and vote for the lesser evil. We tell this to the independents, the moderates, the you know whoever will listen. And then these guys are the lesser evil, so you have to support them. Well, no, because if you support the lesser evil, you're still supporting evil. If you go in with a defeatist attitude, then you lose. Now, a uh, extended family member had put a post up about um, a politician or elected official is merely the train that we get on to get where we're going and we're not married to them. And that's a fair analogy. Another guy that I used to listen to back in the day, uh, I just got way too many podcasts that I was following, but his whole analogy was, is that, Hey, libertarians, conservatives, we're going in the same general direction. Now, libertarians want to go further than the average conservative, but he's a libertarian and he's speaking to his fellow libertarians. We need to work with our conservative friends and go on that bus or that train as far as they're willing to go with us. And maybe along the way, we'll talk to them and convince them that some of our ideas are better. Some of our solutions are better and they'll come a little further with us. But if we're always attacking them, if we're always putting them down, if we're always quite frankly, acting like jerks, they're not going to be willing to work with us. They're not going to be willing to hear us out. And he was right. In many ways, that's me, right? I never was officially a libertarian. I, I, I saw that in Texas, it would be pointless to get involved with the libertarian party, but I am a strong liberty advocate. I, I've been on the Hill a few times. I haven't died yet. But if you're going to say you believe in the Constitution and limited government and individual rights and sovereignty, you have to actually follow through on your actions. 
Now, I know that a lot of my conservative brethren are very uncomfortable with some of the other libertarian issues. I I part ways with the libertarians on the issue of abortion. And, And to be fair to the libertarians, they haven't come out with a position one way or the other on on that issue. I part ways with them on the border. They think, some of them think it's a meaningless line in the sand. Some think that it shouldn't be enforced. But I don't believe in one world. I, I don't believe in open borders. We've seen that that doesn't work out anywhere at any time. So I break with them on that. There are other issues I'm sure we could get involved in. But suffice it to say, I will work with my libertarian brethren as much as possible because they have a lot of really good ideas. And my conservative friends sneer, what is it? Sneer, sneer at them because, well, they want to legalize drugs. They're just a bunch of potheads. No, no, most of them. Not potheads. Sorry. Are they there? Sure. But I would imagine if they were to pay closer attention, there are potheads everywhere. They just hide it better. Or maybe they like their cocaine still. I don't know. All I'm going to say is that we have to work on the things that we agree on to get more liberty, protect individual rights, reinforce the Constitution. And if we're going to agree to disagree on those other things, we can work together and do those things. And believe it or not, there are some Democrats that are legitimate moderates that aren't interested in some of this crazy stuff. But if all you do is attack them and beat them up, they're not going to listen to anything you have to say. I mean, we're seeing this right now as it plays out in the Rio Grande Valley. A lot of those Democrats out there, like, yeah, we never signed up for this. Well, this this is not something that we're excited about. Oh, you Republicans, are, you have concerns about these? You want, you're willing to listen to us now? Okay, all right, yeah, let's let's talk. Now, unfortunately, that means that some of the Republicans are going to give up on some of their right, more stuff that are further right. But this is the same thing it always is. The lesser of the evils, right? I just choose to look at it as this is somebody I can work with on this issue going forward. I'm going to keep moving in my direction. And these people are fellow travelers along the way. They're not my enemy until they prove that they're an enemy. They're an ally. And I really wish that my friends and my acquaintances that are right of center, that are of various labels, would come to see it the same way I do. That if we agree on this issue or we agree on this topic, setting aside the other stuff, let's get this done. Let's do the right thing for Texas. So what does that mean going forward? Good question. Now, while I'm still on the lesser of the evil point here, I am pro-Texit. And I know that mm, upsets, scares, uh, annoys some people that are on my team. I have no illusion that Texas is the panacea, that it's the perfect solution. I am not pangloss. I suspect that in many ways, it will just be used as a tool to fight back against the feds. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay that it's nothing more than a means to push back. 
but we need to educate our populace. I had somebody sit and argue with me that we don't have permission or we don't have a legal allowance or a law that permits us to separate. And my response was, where does it say we can't? And even if it did say that, our Constitution says otherwise, the Declaration of Independence says otherwise, and this individual tried to say, well, those were revolts. Those are different. Okay. So do we just need to call it a revolt then? I mean, I don't want to revolt. I want to peacefully separate if at all possible. But I mean, if that's the way you want to roll, fine. And just because one war settled it 160 years ago doesn't mean it's going to settle it this time or that the outcome would be the same. I mean, if you look at the fact that Russia, uh, Germany, and France fought each other at least four times that I can think of off the top of my head in 150 years with different outcomes each time, it would seem to me that it's quite likely that we could solve this peacefully without having to come to blows. But be that as it may. All right, next time. Uh, Point three, next time. It's not too early to conceive. In 2024, what could we do better? Well, first of all, I want to say this. We have to give the benefit of the doubt to each and every elected official that has our team's brand on them. We have to allow them to go down to Austin in this next term and actually do the job. We have to hold their feet to the fire. We have to communicate with them. We have to remind them they work for us. But they're our team. And at the end of the term, we grade them. We discuss. Did they do what we wanted them to do? Did they fight the good fight? Did they kill bad bills? Did they support good bills? Did they work for us? Were they receptive to us? Did they communicate with us? Did they work together as a team to effectively support and protect the Constitution? Did they look out for Collin County first? Or did they go down and do the bare minimum and try and look good and support what the governor wanted and work for the lieutenant governor and kowtow to the Speaker of the House? Because if that's the case, we don't need them. They're not doing the job that we sent them down there to do. We sent them down there to represent us. We sent them down there to get the best representation possible for Collin County or particularly my house district 61, but maybe you're 67, 89, 66, 70. It's okay. Each individual that we send down there, we have to work with them. They're on our team. They are our representative. If you like a sports analogy, they're the quarterback. We're dependent on them to go out there and do a good job. We're the team owners. We're not going to agree on everything that we want out of our player. We're dependent on the coach. In this instance, who's the coach? Well, that's a funny thing you should ask. The coach is really the party and the local clubs. They communicate all the time and they they try and partner with our elected officials as much as possible to remind them, this is what we need to see. This is what we want from you guys. We're here to help, 
But when we're helping you, we need you to be doing these things. This is the expectation. You can't listen to 60,000 voters, but you can listen to us. And we're here to tell you, we represent these 60,000 voters to you because you don't have time or energy to listen to your 60,000 voters, but you can listen to us. And we're here to tell you, these are the things we need to see and this is what we want. So next time, next time, if they fail to do the job, if they, if they were weak sauce, if they were not interested in actually supporting the Constitution, if they weren't interested in putting Texas first amongst the other states, if they weren't interested in protecting the interests of Collin County when dealing with the state, if they weren't interested in devolving as much power they could to the localities, that's a question we have to ask ourselves. Do we want that person going back down to Austin to represent us? The answer is we won't know until after the session. Now, you may recall I mentioned this a time or two during the last session. And I'll say that while we didn't get everything that we wanted, while, quite frankly, they were not stellar, they did a decent job. By and large, they moved the ball in our direction. And while we didn't get an 80 or an 85 or a 90, we probably got a 70. And I'm not suggesting that we need to be enthusiastic about that, but we should be pleased with that. They've moved it in our direction. They've done some good things. Unfortunately, they allowed a lot of bad things to happen. They didn't stop a lot of bad bills. They cut too many deals. But that's just not necessarily our people in Collin County that are responsible for that. Far too few of our people are in leadership, and they don't assert themselves well outside of that leadership, in my opinion. They should be a little more active on that back, Mike. They should be a little more aggressive in fighting back publicly. But I will say something else. Every one of those people is more successful in politics than I am because they got elected to that office. And they're doing a job that, quite frankly, I can't do because I didn't get elected. Of course, I didn't run, but that's a different story. But... Every one of us needs to keep in mind, they were willing to stick their neck out. They were willing to do the work. They got elected. And we got to trust them. And when they violate that trust, we need to remind them. And if they violate that trust again, we need to fire them. In 2024, perhaps we'll have to fire a few. But until then, we need to remember they're our team. That there are chosen representatives and we have to work with them and for them to get them across that finish line in November. The only way that we're going to be able to hold them accountable is if we give them some reason to be held accountable. That is getting them elected down there to work for us. And I'm suggesting to you that the only way we can be prepared for next time is to get a next time. And the only way you get a next time is to get your person across the finish line. And I know there's a whole lot of us out there that think we could have done better, that we should have done better. But we got what we got. And you got to play with the team you're given. More sports analogies. Sorry. But we got to be aggressive. We got to fight the good fight. Because if we don't, the alternative is unthinkable. If we lose now, 
there may not be a future that we can recover this loss. And I'm not going to give you the line about this is the most important election ever. Because we've been hearing that for 20 plus years. And whether it's true or not is irrelevant. And I'm tired of hearing about it. And I'm not going to use that as a sales pitch. We can do better. And the way we do better is work with the team we got. And work to keep them accountable. And give them a reason to do what we ask them to do. I'll be back tomorrow. We'll have something fun to do on a Wednesday. Until then, I'll remind you, this was episode 270. It was a Texas Tuesday. And I will see you on the other side.